Today on the Magnificently Huge podcast, bands that copy other bands' styles, a.k.a. i.e. also otherwise known as budget bands. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crap all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. And Bruce Springsteen begat John Mellencamp. And John Mellencamp begat Richard Marks. And Green Day begat Blink-182. And Blink-182 begat Sum 41. And Aretha Franklin begat Whitney Houston. And Whitney Houston begat Mariah Carey. And Mariah Carey begat Ariana Grande, I guess. But do you see where I'm coming from here? There are all of these performers that we love in music, and then there are the ones who come during or after who try to glom onto their glory. I call these budget bands. They're also budget performers, but really budget bands. The sort of discount rack version. Kind of like if you were looking for a really great Columbia sportswear jacket, but you didn't have the money, you might buy some piece of shit like the North Face or something instead of the rockin' awesome Columbia jacket. Did I mention I work for Columbia? Uh, yeah, they're not sponsors, but, um... You know, my, my office people, they listen to it, this podcast sometimes. And, uh, hi, guys. Budget bands. Wubba, 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 everybody. It's the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Hey! I'm downtown Eric Reed. And on my left... <laughs> uh, suburban Brian. And on my right... Uh, Barrio Chris. And welcome to Club Magnificently Huge. So anyway, what have you guys been up to? I tried to start it with some energy, eh? That was your first mistake. Yeah. Chris, are you able to drink water? Yes, that is all taken care of now. So we're good. But uh, yeah, for about a week we uh, we were under a boil order because all the all the water backed up because of all the rain, and then we were getting just crap. So yeah, we had to boil it. Couldn't drink it. You couldn't get coffee anywhere. Yeah. It was uh, it was awful. So I you going to vote for Beto O'Rourke tomorrow? Uh, no, I'm I'm changing my vote to Ted Cruz because uh, he really sold me on his. Uh, racism and nationalism good man yeah so that's what i'm doing (laughs) so get out the vote Uh, by the time this episode uh is released we'll have known how badly the democrats have lost the election and donald trump has taken over the world yes 
Yeah, I, I believe in thinking negatively because whatever I do, it's always wrong. Yeah. So if I just go, yeah, we're fucked, we never are. Well, I... Where were you two years ago with that? <laughs> exactly. Well, given the... Uh, well, that's, that's the thing. Well, two years ago, I was like, oh, she's got this shit in the bag. Are yeah. you kidding? America's not this stupid that they're going to elect this, this. He's a chump. You, you wouldn't trust him to watch your car. And... You know, I was so despicably wrong. <laughs> well, that's why this year America, I'm, it's Eric's fault. Well, I'm not fretting this year because of all of the polling, because obviously it was totally bonkers off uh, last go round. So I don't trust it for anything. So I won't believe it till I see it. And it's been the longest two weeks of my life uh, leading there up to this. Is, there's a great podcast uh, the New York Times does called The Daily. And I think couple of days ago they interviewed a pollster about how the 2016 polls were wrong and why you shouldn't believe the 2018 polls and basically going through how you know what they're based on and how they're slanted and the interviewer then says well then why why do you do this he's like well somebody's gonna (laughs) <laughs> yeah really we have to so fill. they're all shit but it's a job we have you know? to fill it somehow yeah yeah kind of like what we do yeah exactly only we're we smart fresh shit oh he said it this shit is fresh it's like the it's like the magic word on Wee's playhouse now I like how that's starting to evolve. <laughs> he said fresh shit. Oh, damn it. I did it again. So what fresh shit do you have today, GD? <laughs> oh, cher- <laughs> cherry chair. <laughs> cherry? Cherry? Uh, well, I'll just, uh, I'll let you all know that I did finally finish the Harry Potter series. Oh. Uh, all seven books. books. Yeah, I haven't watched the movies yet. That's a whole other deal. Uh verdict uh, i liked it it was still let's let's be very clear it's still kids fiction yeah uh all these adults that go bonkers over it i have to wonder what they're smoking because it's kids fiction although it no, did they pat them they're, they're, they're these smoking are the peop- weed Chris. <laughs> okay they're smoking weed. okay these are the people who pat themselves on the back for reading one of oprah's book of the month club books they're <laughs> okay. not really okay. trying hard <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, i'll give it props i mean it did start out very much uh as a children's book and then she did get progressively more uh advanced as yeah. the character's age so i appreciated that and again, I think I mentioned this before, I was not prepared for the full-on anti-fascist subtext. Yeah. And then by the end of the series, it just gets really overt, and it's not as interesting. Uh, See, I realized the slogan I needed two years ago, which I, which I tried to make into a meme, it said, uh, vote for Snape, because <laughs> if you don't, you get Voldemort, and don't stay home just because Dumbledore is not on the ballot. Yeah, it's, That's a big, uh, yeah. big badge. Yeah. Well, um, you know, you'd get it like, uh, what's-her-face, Hermione's uh, Save the House Elves thing, yeah. whatever that group was called. I can't even remember now. Uh, so, yeah, I, I liked it. It was good. I'm glad I but read they, it. That's 
That's why last week when you were talking about this, I said, remember Cedric Diggory, because that's what they ended up turning those badges into. Yeah. No, you told me that like months ago. It literally, it took me like, oh, okay. It took me like two months to read all seven books. Let's be fair. Oh. Because I wasn't. I think too much of you. Yeah. You're welcome. (laughs) Have you ever played the game Munchkin? No. The board game? No. No. Oh, never mind. I'll edit that out. Okay. Wow. (laughs) We'll, We'll forget you said anything. Uh, so yeah, so I've read the books and now I'm a total Harry Potter expert, so you can ask me anything and I can okay. tell you. Have you ever played the game Munchkin? No. I hate you. Uh, so yeah, so I did that. So at some point we can do the, uh, the Harry Potter show, uh, once, well, right. once I get into the movies or not, no. I don't care. I don't imagine the movies will really, to them. uh, bring much to the table. But that's just I have to me. brush up. I don't think I've read, you know, the last one I read was the last one. And I read that like the month or two after it came out. Yeah. So spoiler, I have a very fleeting grasp of those books still. They, they faded. Yeah. Well, it's good because I didn't really have much of a deal going in because I didn't really watch the movies. So most of the stuff that should not be a surprise was a surprise, which was, I guess, really to the only way to really read it in my mind. So if you know all the stuff, then don't bother reading the books because it's not really going to make a, a lick of difference. But yeah. I didn't know what Horcruxes were. And then when you find out, spoiler, that Harry is the seventh Horcrux, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of was uh, an interesting moment. But then they get yeah, into the whole... otherwise not all that special. That's, what, that's another thing I like about it. It's like, yeah, eh, it was a lot of PR. It was a lot of bullshit. He's not that special. Yeah. And I liked that his, uh, his old man was kind of a dick. Uh, he had mm-hmm. to come to terms with that. Uh, Dumbledore, kind of a dick. Let's be real. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, a lot of lot of interesting things. So I, Snape misunderstood. Yeah, except at the very end when you find out that Harry gave his second kid the middle name of Severus. I thought that was a little yeah. overboard because let's let's really? be real. Snape made his life a living hell the entire time he was at Hogwarts, and then suddenly to, he's a good guy to toughen him up. Yeah. Whatever. That's uh, the thing. It's it's like all of this stuff is misunderstood, and then <laughs> once you know, I don't know. Well, I get it. There you have it. So, as a counterpoint, he wanted his kid to like have a really hard time pronouncing his own name. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, they're all such stupid names. Too. Albus he wanted his Potter. Blah, 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 yeah, blah, he wanted blah. his kid to be Alan Rickman because he's the boss. The boss. <laughs> I assure you, I am an exceptional thief. I am an exceptional thief, Mrs. McLean. And since I'm moving up to kidnapping, you should be more polite. So, as a counterpoint to finishing Harry Potter, uh, to cleanse my palate, uh, I did also watch the 1978 Disney movie classic. The Cat from Outer Space, starring Ken Berry and Sandy Duncan, and well, that's good. You had to you had to wash your palate of that children's <laughs> entertainment. Yeah. My name is Zunar J five slash nine Doric four seven. Get me the Pentagon, red priority. You you're a cat. He's the cat from outer space. You're serious. I'm serious. I'd seen Cat from Outer Space as a child, and I barely remembered it. Uh, but literally it is about a cat from outer space. Do I remember it right that the collar would blink and it had a voice that was supposedly in time with the blinking collar? No, the, the, like the collar allowed the cat to accentuate its uh, like telekinetic abilities. It's like an advanced race. Uh, the cat doesn't 
doesn't talk. It talks through the collar. Uh, That's what I said. Yeah, but the collar doesn't like like blink with the the deal. It only oh. it only blinks when he's like moving stuff around and things. It's like a a goofus deal. Uh, I'm not saying anything out of protest. <laughs> but the the only thing. So how does the cat from outer space hold up? Is it is it better or worse? Escape from which mountain? Uh, uh, it's the same. How about unidentified flying oddball? How does it compare to unidentified flying oddball? Uh, unidentified Jesus. flying oddball is uh, a much worse movie. I can tell you that because cat from outer space has the distinction of having uh not only harry morgan in it but also mclean stevenson so it's the only movie i know of where both colonels from mash share screen time blew my mind so i'm gonna kill myself <laughs> uh but i would heal but the only thing that i would not recommend anybody do is watch the movie because if you know anything about sandy duncan you know she has a glass eye and then you spend the entire time trying to figure out which <laughs> eye is the glass eye. <laughs> when she had that tv show i would do that all the yeah. time and she would have some moment where she's talking to somebody and she'd turn her head and one eye would just be going flip a flip a flip you knew that it was it was a little dry yeah but all I could think of was the the band from the eighties, yeah. Sandy Duncan's Eye, and Sandy then Duncan's Eye, and then it just kind of shelved from there. So yeah, so, uh, yeah. that's it. <laughs> Brian, any fresh shit? Um, I've I've got a few things. Um. So Chris, I I started on your recommendation. I started watching Maniac on Netflix. Okay, cool. Which I'll be honest with you in the second episode when it was like all Emma Stone's character, it she was like too much like one of my daughters, <laughs> like creepily so. Okay. Like I'm watching this I'm just like I can't enjoy this. Eh. <laughs> yeah. It, um, it it gets it gets better as they flesh out well, the character I'm, arcs. So. I'm up to I've got two more episodes to go, but once Sally Field really shows up. Yeah. She elevates the entire show to a whole other level. It, yeah, it gets like the later episode just starts getting really, really bug fucking weird because they just get full on <laughs> into the dreamscapes and they just don't even bother with the logic. But somehow it makes I've, sense. I've watched eight of ten episodes, and I'm not sure which of the characters is this is the titular maniac. They could all be the maniac. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's 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 good. It keeps you off balance for sure. Uh, but they're all really fucked up people. Uh, but did you get did you get to the episode where they do uh, Art of Noise prominently in the soundtrack? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because yeah, as soon as that definitely. popped up, I'm like, oh, this is Brian's moment right here. They like play the whole. They play close to the edit, like pretty much <laughs> from beginning to end, <laughs> yeah. uninterrupted. Yeah. <laughs> it was and, it was a good call, and it's diegetic. It's playing from the car stereo, but but man, yeah, they just let that fucker rip. Yeah, it was a good time. Okay, well, let me know when you finish it if you uh, enjoy the ending or not, because it. Uh, okay. It's uh, it's not done yet. I've got two movies. Uh, the first one I think might might have been worse than the cat from outer space. <laughs> mm. um, I am all ears. I not bloody Johnny likely. English strikes again. Ooh, new oh, Rowan Atkinson, uh, oh. spy movie. Is that the second yeah, sequel? The- Did they already make another sequel? Yeah. It was Johnny English Reborn a few years back. Uh, This is Strikes Again. 
Um, See, and the whole the whole Johnny English thing was basically, you know, so he could do something other than Mr. Bean, which is what we wanted in the first place. Apparently, it was based on a commercials that he was making. The, the character appeared in commercials, and then they actually turned it into movies. Uh, didn't, uh, when they did the Olympics in London a few years back, when they did the opening ceremony, didn't Johnny English parachute in? I think that was the other Johnny English. <laughs> okay. Yes. Maybe I'm misremembering. Yeah. So the the concept in this in this one is um sort of old school analog tech versus modern digital tech and Johnny English represents the old ways so he's he's immune to all of the hacking that's going on. Uh, because he has no cyber footprint to speak of. That he uses old sounds hilarious. You know, when Rowan Atkinson is doing physical comedy, it works. You know, there's a scene where he's hopped up on drugs and he's dancing in a nightclub. That's that's <laughs> it's stupid, but it's fun. Okay. And there's a bit where he's wearing a suit of armor that works. And whenever he's doing, you know, what he's good at, uh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But all the rest of the gags just. Just don't land at all. It's, and then it's David so Niven unfunny. steals the Pink Panther diamond. <laughs> well, had, no, I mean, it's had, the no, same the thing, Martin only not Pink as Panther, good. Though I haven't seen it, is definitely funnier than this movie. Well, had you seen the the actual yeah. Mr. Bean show, like his bits on BBC? No, no. It's, okay, it's there's there's some there's some good ones. There's one where he's driving like a really tiny like mini, and he's got to transport like an easy chair <laughs> and, he up, and he ends up like fashioning the steering wheel with like a, like his belt and whatnot. And so he's driving the car on top in the easy chair with this belt. It's really ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, what I love about that show is one, there's not a whole lot of writing going on. It's yeah. him. It's, it's the way you said that he does physical comedy. Well, it's all physical comedy. And it's so much fun to watch. But on top of that, it's like the old silent uh, comedy reels. You know, the two reelers of yeah. Charlie Chaplin or Laurel and Hardy. They're just Buster Keaton being assholes. It's, you know, yeah. worth checking out. Okay. So, yeah, Johnny English strikes again. Don't bother. Um, was that just a popcorn movie? You needed popcorn? Uh, it was, yeah, you know, it was a. Let's put it like this. The following week, we had better options, uh, so we went and saw Bohemian Rhapsody at the Cine One, the new Cine Capri thing. Okay. Mm. Um, I was going to talk about that next week. It's a biopic, right? That's that's all you can really say, right? It's a by-the-numbers biopic, but the thing is that, like, it's obviously full of shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. They have them writing We Will Rock You in 1980. The song came out in 77. Um, <laughs> they, everything in the whole, in his whole life, like suddenly somehow congeals around the Live Aid concert, like it's the climax of an 80s, you know, rom com where yeah. everything comes together in one wacky moment. Um, it just, it's, it's manifestly inaccurate, I guess, but. It's still a lot of fun. A um, couple things. So Queen, the band, surviving band members, uh, did produce all the soundtrack, which there's some fun bits. First of all, Brian May plays the 20th Century Fox fanfare on the guitar, Queen style. I, I heard that the, the other logos. day. That's pretty cool. 
which is which is a lot of fun. And uh, but the thing is that like they have all the recordings, and a lot of their shows were recorded on on multi-track tape, so they're able to produce this soundtrack with actual Freddie Mercury singing from different perspectives and the and the mix hmm. uh, changes depending on where the camera is and. Wow! And so they really went to town on the soundtrack. That's cool. Yeah, um, and in fact, for the band Smile that they were before uh, Freddie Mercury started singing with them, they actually reunited with the original lead singer of their band and recorded the audio for the bit <laughs> when they were teenagers playing in some club. Nice. That's cool. So did, that's the one that Brian Singer got fired from, right? When he's yeah, it is the one that Brian Singer okay. got fired from. Okay. How much of it is he gets read, credit? Okay. I, the review I read of that film, and again, haven't seen it, so I can't really say. Maybe you can tell me. It, it, is that the big problem with this is it suggests that because in all biopics, there's a demon that must be chased and then overcome by the end. And the demon in this case for Freddie Mercury was being gay. They d- so it's interesting because it is Freddie Mercury through the eyes of his straight friends. Right. Right. And so the gay stuff, yeah, he's definitely like portrayed as being in denial about his homosexuality. Um, he eventually embraces it, but um they they definitely made it a struggle and and okay, fair enough. That maybe that's how it was for him. I really don't know. No, the the, the uh, part that blew my review- mind though, Eric, was <sighs> the people in the theater here in Arizona getting all like upset when the gay stuff would happen, when he'd kiss another guy (laughs) and suddenly you hear the people in the seats behind you, they're getting really uncomfortable. Like what, what there's gay stuff in this. He's gay. (laughs) What the fuck movie did you people think you were coming to see dressed up in a ballerina tutu in the band queen is gay. What did did you see the mustache on the posters? Jesus people. Well, to be (laughs) fair, these are the same people that don't remember watching Capote and feeling the same way. Uh, yeah, and then um, this isn't leaving Rangoon. The, <laughs> Beyond Rangoon, the, Beyond the Rangoon, whatever. To, uh, so it's not the funny bit, but it's kind of funny if you're if if you know the gag. Um, after he's diagnosed with AIDS, oh yeah, this will be funny. Go, yeah. The, the sad, <laughs> mournful song they play is "Who Wants to Live Forever," which, as you know, is is really from the Highlander soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> It just doesn't land. It's like, okay, but this is Highlander, right? So, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm taken out of the moment. So does that mean he's immortal? I'm confused now. Uh, I, I, I don't. Know. Or does he fight the Kurgan and then learn all of the world's secrets? Again, yeah, I got nothing. Again, I'm confused. Anyway, um, Bohemian Rhapsody. It was. It was okay. It was fun. They they recreate like the entire Live Aid performance, and that's how they go out. And uh, I hear that's... it's worth seeing, if only for uh, Rami Malek's portrayal. And I think if I go, I'm going for that. Well, you should. And goddamn, does this guy bring the energy? Like he he owns that stage like he's Freddie Mercury, and you got to give him props just for that. Um, well, it makes sure since and on Mr. Robot, turn... he's almost in a coma. Well, what's interesting is he even manages to turn with his with his facial expressions. The live eight, the live aid, sorry, live aid performances of the songs that they do into even though he's just lip syncing to Freddie Mercury's actual performance from that concert, he manages to with his facial expressions 
make the lyrics in those songs about being diagnosed with AIDS and about his relationship with his family and about, um, you know, his relationships with his friends and his bandmates. And, and I mean, editing plays a role there too, but they did a good job bringing it home. Well, do you, do you think it would have been a different movie had they actually cast Sasha Baron Cohen? Yes, because Sasha Baron Cohen would have been about two feet taller than Rami Malek. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, eh, whatever. Oh, and the guy they cast as Brian May looks exactly like young Brian May. That's, like that's it, it, the end credits. They actually show some footage of the real band, and it's like, okay, so everybody's slightly different except Brian May. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that still weirds me out that he's a, a doctor of physics. He's got his yeah. PhD. <laughs> just, I don't know why that weirds me out, but it does. And those guitars, he built those himself. Him and his dad built. He built his own guitars for yeah. years. Really? Yeah. Awesome. That's the distinct sound. That yeah, that distinctive looking guitar. Yeah, that's a that's a Brian May. That's why you don't see it anywhere else. Anyway, that's my fresh shit. Yay. Woo. What have you got, Eric? I really got nothing except I just watched the uh Walking Dead where they get rid of Rick Grimes. And neither of you guys care about this show, so Nobody cares. I don't Nobody think I'm cares. ruining anything. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I it's this show. It's like uh, it's it's better than Z Nation. That's that's about basically my review always <laughs> of, of Walking Dead. It's better than Z Nation. You uh, know? It's better than having electrodes strapped to my nuts. It yeah. does make me wonder. You know, since that's a sci-fi show and this is AMC, I wonder how AMC would handle um, uh, uh, Super Shark versus. Uh, Croctopus or whatever kind of bullshit that sci-fi normally makes. What would the AMC version of that be? It'd probably be very long and brooding, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of acoustic guitar. Yeah, lots I of just thinking. I I quit Walking Dead years ago because it was just this just narcissistic slog. Just it never stopped, and it was always so just depressing. It's like just nobody yeah. could catch a break. It's like why do you? Why would you suffer through this for an hour every week? Uh, if I want a never-ending narcissistic slog, I'll just be in my own life. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want a non-stop narcissistic slog, it's the magnificently huge podcast. Hey! Hey! That's right. We're like uh, twenty-five minutes in. Here's the intro. Boom. Um. Yeah. No, I I don't know. I take the show for what it is, which is just a dopey TV show. But um, and at this point, I'm so goddamn invested. I have to see it through. It's like I've I haven't missed an episode since it came on. I love zombies. I got to see where this is going. I got to see if this is going somewhere. But if they pull a lost on me. Oh, fuck. I, I just. I. I guess if they pull a lost on me, there's not a goddamn thing I can do about it. No. Nope. So never mind. You can if just... they pull a lost on me, they're going to pull a lost on me. <laughs> uh, It'll be like the video game. They'll cancel it halfway through the season. And yeah. you won't get an ending. Fresh goes better. Fresh goes better. So uh, let's talk about budget bans. You guys, you guys down with the concept? I wasn't sure if that made sense uh, when I, I brought it up. Explain it one more time for the viewing audience. There's always a band that's really big, that's a big deal, that's really popular, and then some money person usually finds a band to kind of be like them, to sort of glom off of them, you know? 
like um uh like zombies are really popular thanks to that walking dead let's make z nation and let's make helix and let's make <laughs> i zombie and let's 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 cash in on that whole thing but not actually in any way be as good as the original so these and are like of course, the gobots or the digimon of fans. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay exactly there's always some kind of analog to be and, made and way yeah. to bring it back to an 80s reference brian yeah. i can do that yeah yeah it's not grand theft auto it's saints row or um <laughs> just cause uh didn't we yeah. do a whole star wars show about this Mm, yeah yeah, yeah okay. or that and there'll be more <laughs> okay. oh yeah the music version of that okay so yeah these are bands that um yeah i i i just i i i like basically like our shows where we talk about music and i i wanted to talk about some bands that um are undeservedly popular well i noticed that uh we all sort of compiled a list just for reference but the one mm-hmm. that didn't make the list that we hastily compiled is the one that we actually mentioned first when we were talking about this, which is uh, <laughs> uh, the alarm is sort of uh-huh. a poor man's U2. Uh, yeah. And that sort of, I think, is what like sparked at least my uh, sort of research aspect. So make yeah. the case. like, What's an alarm song that, that evokes U2 for you? Uh, all of uh, them? Well, I, I only know one. I mean, that's the thing. They're so, you know just the alarm that there's they're alarmingly bad <laughs> but the thing is that you in this case you too also sucks ass so it's kind of hard for me to you know really really say oh the alarm is no you too but the thing is they both have mullets and they're both you know they both have that same sound and yeah like the the alarm's yeah. big song was 68 guns uh, but then they also had Rain oh. in the Summertime, Blaze of Glory. Come on down and meet your maker. Yeah. Come and then The Stand is probably the their one. big one. Yeah. Uh, but not only that, but the... Uh, what's his name? Mike Peters, the lead singer, basically had a full-on like Bono look. Mm-hmm. Uh, mid, like the mid-80s Bono. So just everything about them is evokes sort of a poor man's version of U2. Uh despite it, their musicianship or whatever i mean that's that's secondary i mean they literally just are yeah. the sort of the the redheaded stepchild to what u2 was at that time yeah, i 80s. remember reading an interview with u2 where they said they they caught that band on tv and they were all just laughing their asses off <laughs> and and I, yeah. I i i thought yeah boy you don't know where you're gonna be in 10 years do you memphisto yeah fucking well idiot. but it also brings an important point with you too is once they've sort of delved into joshua tree uh and left their first three albums behind then it's sort of all bets are off it's like you are no longer you yeah. two as we know them because then you get to rattle yeah. and hum and they're basically just trying to a bb king uh for the <laughs> whole thing so then that that right there is a case in point it's like right. well even successful bands pretty much uh at some point uh, so you're saying U2 is a wannabe band of other bands also. Yeah, that's what well, they just shit. shit. That's what they, <laughs> they sort of turn into. Because I like their first three albums. Uh, but beyond that, it's it's hard to yeah. listen to because it's just sort of they're grasping for whatever sound is sort of present. It's sort of like when... Uh, yeah, so you listen to enough U2 and you just feel numb. Yeah. <laughs> 
So the example I really liked for budget bands is uh, the Monkees. The Monkees are uh, the budget version of the poor man's version of the Beatles. Yeah. And in a really obvious way. But a lot of people probably don't know um, the Monkees very well. Well, it, I mean, uh, so they had the is, whole show. This is what I, so this is what I wrote up. Because <laughs> I wrote stuff down. Uh, the greatest pop rock and roll band in the world deserved the best budget incarnation. And for that, we have the Monkees. Created for the sake of a network television show in the 60s, they were a brazen attempt to copy the Beatles in every important way. Uh, misspelled animal name? Check. British singer? Check. Marx Brothers' wackiness? Check. Lyrical talent of Lennon and McCartney? Oh my fucking living shit, God no. With a number of songs <laughs> written by uh, young Neil Diamond, Tommy Boyce, and Bobby Hart, with a musical slave master Don Kirshner churning out signals each week for the show, the Monkees never actually played any instruments. Studio musicians released the tunes, the actors sang the songs, and the studio wrote themselves big fat goddamn checks. Uh, and the Monkees, they ended up writing their own songs and performing them in the second season, which may or may not be why the show only ran two seasons. <laughs> well, they, 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 yeah, and they had like that resurgence in the 80s of nostalgia touring, but uh, in the end, well, just the, the Yeah, and that was just because MTV got the rights to the yeah. show and decided to play it all summer. Well, it does yeah. it does bring up a sidebar too if you're going to delve into that because there there's that term Beatles-esque uh that you can't escape when you're a band that is aping probably the biggest band to ever come down the pike. I mean, they're just mm-hmm. everybody knows the Beatles, I don't care who you are. They're inescapable. They're like a black there's- hole. There's a difference, though, because, like, Oasis is Beatlesque. Say what you want about Oasis, though. The Beatles were done. Yeah. And it's like they were iconic history. Here, the Beatles were in the middle of their thing. And here comes, like, this TV show with a, a just a naked attempt at being the Beatles, but being able to, you know... Well, I mean, they were... Make their own profits from it. Well, they were know? pretty much at the vanguard of the whole... British invasion thing, anyway. So, there are a lot of bands. Talking to my wife about about this, and the Beatles came up, and we were we were saying the Beatles were really a boy band, right? You know, but but then the Monkees are like the knockoff boy bands to the Beatles. So the Monkees are like ninety eight degrees or something (laughs) to, you know. The Backstreet Boys, or, so, or something like That's, that. Yeah. yeah, one of one of the ones that made my list that I didn't write something about was In uh, Sync, are you know the the poor man's Backstreet Boys. But exactly. then, but then In Sync, I think, ends up becoming bigger. But that that's that's really just sort of management. You know, well, yeah, but Justin Timberlake, yeah, but again, that's and it's only like a decade's difference. But Backstreet Boys is pretty much just new kids on the block or new edition. Right. So, I mean, there, there's a Which long means history that of that. We eventually have to talk about Menudo, right, Chris? Menudo, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's your obligatory tape that's reference. And say, okay, here's the second one. I only have two of the two more of these things to read, and I'll make them quick. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, this one is going to be probably a little controversial. David Bowie was one of the last true originals in music. 
He came right out and told us he was a space alien, and by the songs he released, it was easy to believe. And then there was Elton John, who was just some guy who played a piano. He played it really well, but despite the theatrics of fur coats and wacky glasses, he looked less like a glam rock space alien than a budget Liberace, ironically. (laughs) (laughs) This one's for my brother, George. Yeah. (laughs) Elton also didn't write his own songs, but relied on the poet-musician Bernie Taupin to pen his best-known hits. Elton's music for those, while again quite good, was not on par with what Bowie would craft almost single-handedly. So why is Elton a budget Bowie? Because Bowie said so. He thought Rocket Man was a ripoff of his own classic space oddity. <laughs> to the extent he sings Oh Rocket Man when he recorded a demo of Space Oddity on the BBC 1969-1972 sessions. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's another quote I read somewhere of where Bowie just said, uh, "You're welcome for your career, Elton." (laughs) And so, so I I just want to tag on to that. Ben Folds is a wannabe Elton John, but I think he's better. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah, me too. He writes his own stuff for one, and yeah, Uh, I. I think Elton is probably, you know, a singularly exceptional piano player. There's no question, but he doesn't write anything. You can't say you can't put him on on, on the same ledge as Bowie if he's not going to write his own songs. Because when he did write, I, I think they're they're awful, well, right? They're they're fairly bad. Well, and also to take it a step further, uh, Bowie did a kids movie where he did the music, and he starred in it. Elton John mm-hmm. just sang some songs about lions yeah that's well oh and he he also uh he was the uh the guy who plays the pinball wizard plays against the pinball wizard but i think that was you know ken um what's his name again ken ken loach roach ken nah the the, the crazy fucker i can't think of his name yeah, but the guy know. who directed tommy um yeah ken loach right no. No, no. Mm. Um no. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. I, Ken Russell. Ken yeah. Russell. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Uh but yeah, so and that yeah, that's no labyrinth. That's no man who fell to earth. <laughs> I don't know. There there and there are a lot of like uh Bowie copycats. I I like Joe Bryath. Uh, even though he he has kind of a bad reputation, there's some good stuff there, but that poor fucker came out and said Hey, if you like David Bowie, I'm actually gay, and I'm also from outer space. And the world went, eh, fuck you. <laughs> it was kind of, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and the final one I have here, uh, f- I don't know if these notes are going to work or not, but I'm trying something new. Hell, maybe reading is good for this show. Let's see. Uh, and this one, I admit, is a cheap shot. They're Canadian. A three-piece rock band, their drummer has a gig-enormous set, and the singer has a tendency to sing like Getty Lee. Who am I talking about? Rush and Triumph. And while Triumph doesn't really try to sound like Rush, and and guitarist Rick Emmett is definitely talented, you know people only went to a Triumph show if Rush wasn't playing that night. 
uh, Triumph is just, I don't know. I never quite got why they're famous, and then I realized, oh, yeah, people wanted more Rush. What's their big hit? Lay it on the line. <laughs> okay. Lay it on the line. Because, yeah, yeah. The singer, he does sound like uh, Getty Lee. Yeah. And, he, the, you know, they their their whole stage setup is very Rush, except for the, you know, garish Triumph sign on the the back wall in lights. Well, because when I saw this was on your list, I honestly could not remember who the fuck Triumph was. Uh, mm-hmm. But then it started me thinking on other bands of that era that could also fall under that umbrella, like mm-hmm. UFO or Rainbow. Uh, yeah. Not necessarily full-on Rush sound, but sort of that sort of flavor i guess is the best rainbow way at least is rainbow is at least is still richie blackmore yeah. you know and so that was like him doing a different album with a whole different band each album yeah well so of any of these because this is an, an important distinction and it might come up later uh mm-hmm. and a couple others that we're we're dealing with but do you have any in here where there's songs by the budget band that sounds so much like the band they're aping that you could conceivably think it was the bigger band? That's a good question. Um, not not in my list, except, with, when we get except mine, possibly yeah. Yeah, Robin Thicke uh, and his hard-on for Marvin Gaye. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even sure that's exactly budget. Mar- now, the more I think about it, that's just theft. Yeah, straight-up theft. Uh, yeah, and I and could I, tell you the difference between uh, Cardi B and Nicki Minaj. Okay, yeah, that's because we're old. Well, I asked uh, Nancy about this because she's up on what the kids listen to, and uh, she took umbrage to your uh, Cardi B selection versus Nicki Minaj. She's like, because if anything, uh, she's uh, what's her name, uh, Little Kim. Uh, I think is what came mm. up because Lil Kim, I guess, in the the aughts, did a lot of guest work on other artists' songs, and that's pretty uh-huh. much what Nicki Minaj apparently does. So, ah, uh, okay. for what that's worth, so, I yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, like you know, like I said in the intro, there are a lot of begats. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's fair. But uh, uh, Cardi B is definitely. Yeah. You know. Okay. I don't know any of her work, so. <laughs> Make a money move. But the Robin Thick thing makes me uh, physically ill because I'm a huge Marvin Gaye fan and uh, I want to punch Robin Thick every time I see him. Okay, now he was close. Try to domesticate you, but you're an animal. Baby, it's in your nature. Just let me Modern uh, pop music, I don't know how many times I've heard a song where I thought it was Rihanna and it turned out it was somebody else, but I don't know who somebody else was. <laughs> well, I bring yeah. it up because one of the bands, that, and this ties into the, the Beatlemania thing, uh, the band Badfinger, 
who I think was the first band signed to the Apple label. Yeah, uh, they were. And they, I, I, like the first time I ever heard uh, the one from Magic Christian, if you want it, come and get it. Uh, you thought it was a Beatles I, song, right? I swear to Christ, I thought it was a Beatles song. If you want it, here it is, come and get it. Mm-hmm. Make your mind up fast. Well, it's produced by Paul McCartney, so you can't really yeah. escape it. Uh, but even like Day After Day, uh, Without You, Baby Blue, I mean, they all sound like Beatles songs. And if you don't know who Badfinger is, you're like, this is like weird Beatle B-sides. And then you learn that how it's did, Badfinger. How did I f- miss putting Wings on this list as a budget Beatles? <laughs> it really <laughs> is. Like it really is. Paul yeah. McCartney does is budget Beatles. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, the Badfinger one I just throw in there because... Uh, if if you want to come and get it, just it it is a Beatles song to a T from note to end note. I mean, it just it's <laughs> sick, <laughs> but it's so good. Hey everybody, here's some stuff I've been working on now that I don't have to deal yeah. with those other three assholes. Yeah. It's got some jumbly boomblies. <laughs> you can do the Dana Carvey, uh, and then I I worked out a bit where I was going to talk about how the Beatles ripped off the Ruddles. Uh, but it fell flat. But the but the, but it, it sent me down a rabbit hole where I listened to a bunch of Ruddles this week uh, on Spotify, and uh, <laughs> Cheese and Onions still fucking kills me. That is a great song. Yeah. I love Cheese yeah. and Onions. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Beatles. I, I like the Ruddles better, honestly. God, I, I, I remember just laughing till I cried the first time I heard that. Yeah. And he starts spelling it out. Yeah. I, oh, God. Well, and then part of the line is, <laughs> do I have to spell it out? <laughs> and he spells it out. So definitely Beatles S, but Badfinger I think follows probably the the top top of the bands that are not the Beatles, but might as well be mm. in my mind. So you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what else you got, Chris? Uh the most flagrant one on my list is a newer band that I've recently discovered uh based on their prominence at things like the Austin City Limits Festival. Uh, Greta Van Fleet. You familiar with them? I, 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 I think I've heard this, yes. Uh, they yeah. are literally uh, Led Zeppelin incarnate. Straight down to the way that the singer apes Robert Plant's vocal stylings. Uh, even the guitar work. Uh, and they dress like early 70s Zeppelin. It's just... it. I mean, if you listen to songs, I mean, they're okay, I guess. They're, you know, they're, they're whatever. But then you start thinking, it's like, well, if you're going to do Zeppelin, uh, just listen to Zeppelin. That's basically the case I'm going to make on this band. I think the problem with the band, and I've heard them, is that you go, yeah, wow, they do sound technically a lot like Led Zeppelin. I wish they had a song as good as, uh, you know, Misty Mountain Hop or any of the songs that are actually Led Zeppelin. Exactly, yeah. They're just Greta Van Fleet songs. Yeah, I was listening to it, and I'm like, man, what this band really needs is a song about a hobbit. 
and then they're they're set. <laughs> That's Word. pretty much it. You know, I had a hypothesis in the '80s that all singers were really either trying to be Robert Plant or David Bowie. Yeah, by all male singers. So all the metal singers were basically doing a variation on Plant with the high pitched, you know, wailing, and all of the new wave guys were doing an, a take on Bowie. Yeah. So I guess if you're a tenor, you're trying to be Plant, and if you're a baritone, you I don't. Yeah. Know. I guess. Well, I mean, it's it's almost like if if you have a band that is truly original, then you've got a dozen other bands, you know, lining up to go. I want a piece of that because. Yeah hair metal didn't really exist until van halen van halen at the time was shockingly original and awesome and i only remember them now with loathing because of the 30 or 40 fucking bands i had to put up with like poison <laughs> or white snake or any of that other weak ass shit well that they just ruined it well that the this is more more in line with maybe your triumph rush comparison uh, but mm. i just couldn't shake uh the band crocus which is one of those also ran <laughs> metal bands from the early 80s, uh, yeah. mostly from the album Headhunter, where it, they're just aping Judas Priest within an inch of the life of Judas Priest. I mean, it's just down to the riffs and the way he sounds uh, like Halford. If you're going to rip somebody off, you could do a lot worse <laughs> yeah. than Judas Priest. But yeah. mostly I like the album Headhunter because of the the hit song, the, the lead single is called Eat the Rich. <laughs> And it's just, I think the lyrics are, eat the rich, don't you know life is a bitch, but he sings it like Halford. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. Uh, I do no like- rich! <laughs> yeah. <that one. laughs> yeah. I, I like that uh, people now respect the power and the majesty of Judas Priest. They're yeah. not a joke anymore. But I also like that the only reason we remember, you know, Crocus is because they suck. <laughs> yeah, because of the song <laughs> Eat the Rich. Right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, that was kind of a weird one that I stumbled on. Uh, but the other big one for me was the, the band Jet, who really only had one big album that had like four hits on it. Uh, but yeah. they can't quite decide if they want to be ACDC or if they want to be Bachman Turner Overdrive. I mean, it's a weird, I never put that together until I listened to the album again this week. Cause I usually, mm. I used to think of them as sort of an ACDC ripoff. Uh, yeah, I think of them, I think the BTO comparison is, yeah, are you going to be my girl? Yeah. Does not sound like an ACDC song. No, well that's, and that's what I'm saying. And then when you get to, uh, get what you need. Uh, it's just full on ain't seen nothing yet clank clank baby uh, but I never put it together really uh, until I listened to it recently because uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive had never really been in my periphery as it were uh, but at some point I went through a tear and just did a bunch of 70s uh, prog and mm. classic rock and stuff and so now it was like cemented them and then I heard Jettigan and I went oh fuck you uh, so yeah they can't decide what they want to be but they made a career on it. you're gonna get out during that period though in the zeros when there was no rock and roll and so yeah for that 
I thank them. Them and uh, The Darkness. They're like a couple of bands that just came out of <laughs> yes. nowhere to be awesome. The Darkness and the Hives, is, maybe. Well, The Hives yeah. is another weird one, too, because I, I was listening to them this week as well. And they got a full-on Buzzcocks vibe that I did not even piece together when the albums oh, had yeah. come out. And I just I like it was like a, a light bulb oh. went off. I went, wait, whoa, wait a minute. Because it's like the way they're structured, uh, the way they're singing. I'm like, they're they're totally ripping off the Buzzcocks, man. Ah, oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, hath ye a collection of budget bands thou shalt rip on? I, I have a few, so I'll, I'll go after the ones that, you know, you'd expect me to go after. Uh, I do think that we have to say that uh, for, for one brief shining moment, we had Jesus Jones, and then we had EMF, and then we had neither. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. Uh. <laughs> Boom. Oh! <laughs> Oh, and isn't that, don't they sample, uh, Dice Clay? Dice clay. Oh! Yeah. Yep. EMF actually had some good songs. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Jones had actually had C- some good songs. Yeah. I had and- the CD single for your Unbelievable, and I, and the side B, even though it was a CD, the, the, the B side was, um... I guess it was just EMF was the name of the song, but it was, it was good. Yeah. I was like, I wanted to hear the rest of this album, and then they just went away. I, the last 30 seconds of the song, I believe, is as good as anything uh, either of those bands did. Of course, you got to listen to 10 minutes of other stuff. Well, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. I just, I remember thinking, oh, Jesus Jones. Okay, that's a mildly catchy song. All right. And then they wouldn't stop fucking playing it because the Berlin Wall came down. And it was like, oh, no, am I going to have to listen to this forever? I hate Jesus Jones. I hate you, Jesus Jones. So, somewhere lost to the sands of time, uh, because I don't have this anymore, Eric, but in 1990, um, when the movie Ghost was out and Melody was everywhere, Eric and I did a cover of Unchained Melody in the style of Jesus Jones. Yeah. <laughs> what did you call it? It was called <laughs> My Love, yeah. My Darling. Wasn't it? You called it uh, Unchained Monstrosity. Wasn't that the yes, title? Yeah. And I don't have it. Damn it. I have- no idea oh. where that went. And I remember down tuning my guitar because we didn't have a bass, so it could go do 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 We were bored. Yeah. Um Okay. Other other knockoffs. Um I I'm sure I should have come up with more nine inch nails knockoff bands, but the one I have to call out because they just they have one great song, and everything else they do is so posery, and that's stabbing <laughs> westward. Yeah. Who? I only know the one song. That's, 
Yeah, that's a name I hear a lot, and I don't think I know any of their music. Save Yourself is probably the only one you're going to know. You can't even save uh, the one I'm thinking of is called Shame, uh, which is pretty awesome, actually. But yeah, I, I guess filter fits in there too. Yeah, well, I was thinking filter until I realized that they did that song. Was it Awake on Your Airplane? And then they're trying to do uh, like a yeah. Chili Peppers thing. <laughs> so they're not like full on Nine Inch Nails, but close. I and believe then, some of them actually played backing instruments for Trent Reznor yeah, on yeah. early tours. So. Well, I think that, yeah, the, the lead singer for Filter, I think, is uh, Robert Patrick's brother, the guy that played the T-1000 in Terminator 2. And he, hmm. had, yeah, I think he had played with Reznor or something. So, yeah. Brian, I think you had an, an interesting comment, like... You've had several since then, but this one is twenty years ago. Okay, so I don't want to. I don't want to lead into this wrong. Uh, but you, you had a comment. I, I, it was an album that came out. It was after Downward Spiral. Um, I, it was you know one of his less memorable. Uh, and you had said the problem with Nine Inch Nails is that there are so many copycats of Nine Inch Nails that are doing Nine Inch Nails better than yes. Nine Inch Nails. Yes, that that you can't really appreciate nine inch nails anymore yeah around the time we got to like year zero or something yeah it was very much at that point where it was well, like, it, like uh, white zombie and power man five i mean stuff like that right i mean yeah there's a whole Marilyn manson and orgy and all of that stuff kind of kind of picked up and and let's face it all all industrial music owes a debt of existence to Al Jorgensen from Ministry, who was also in like every other industrial band, but, yeah. who started in a band that copied Depeche Mode, ironically. Yeah, and and that so. was my last one. I have I have four. Okay, so in keeping with my passion for shitty nostalgia, like things you don't remember because we've buried the bad stuff, right? Um, I'm going to call out four bands that I, I think the average person would not be able to distinguish from Depeche Mode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know this one of them. This is a great game. Yeah. I like this. Yeah. So the first one is a band called Red Flag with their song, If I Ever. Oh, God, that does sound exactly like the Fresh Moon. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to tell the difference. (laughs) Zymox, their song Obsession. It's like a mirror. <laughs> An audio mirror. <laughs> Cause and effect. You think you know her. This one's really down like 
called the pet mode. Yeah, but the, the next one is the one that gets me because the next one is the, the one, one where, where I hear it on the radio and I go, is this Depeche Mode? This does... Uh, and then you go, <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah. The See? Great Commandment. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the Great Commandment Shows the commentary Between the world and their embarrassing bacon Believe the scholars Read the readings Realize the man who says And I like I like that their name is Camouflage because they're disguised as Depeche Mode. Yes. <laughs> I love I love that you said commandment. It's yes. you, got, you got that in and yeah, right on top. I love the British sounding techno band. I love the verbal interplay on it too. It touch you, it take you, berate you. Whatever the lyrics are. Fucking Germans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also myself a lot of my music sounds just like the best i didn't want to i didn't want to call you yeah, out but i'm glad you did it. scratching the itch go yeah. find me give me a dollar fuckers Because their Depeche Mode is an influence, maybe a very strong influence, but you don't have like three other guys and like uh, uh, you know all on different keyboard sets, so it looks like the bridge of a Star Trek ship, and you know all wearing black, and yeah. you know it's like there's a very specific approach to this budgetary thing, I think. So you're fine. You're yeah. Brian. Okay. You're Brian. Yeah. yeah. Well, my music is inspired by Weird Al in that I try to make every song sound like a different band. (laughs) And they all end up sounding like Depeche Mode, though. It's weird. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I kid. I kid. Oh, good callback, though. Good callback. Uh, But did you have any others, or did you just start wallowing around in the Depeche Mode stew? No, that's pretty much my list. Okay. Because the one that I wanted to bring up, and I think, and I think Eric had turned it into Ouroboros Daisy Chain as the sub uh, yeah. version, but it struck me that uh, Sum Forty One, which is this Canadian band from the early aughts that did all like the pop punk, uh, our market is hot topic kind of thing. Uh, they were so Avril Lavigne. 
Yeah, <laughs> uh, but they had like in too deep and fat lip, uh, etc. They were kind of a big deal for about two seconds, and it struck me that the white Avril Lavigne. Yeah, and they were sort of like a poor man's Blink One Eighty Two. But then I realized that Blink-182 is just a poor man's green day. And so I started going, oh, so they're like second to the second. Uh, and just awful, awful, awful. Um, and I came up I came up with the same concepts where, uh, well, I think I mentioned this actually when we were discussing this show initially, that uh, John Mellencamp is a budget Bruce Springsteen, but Richard Marks is a budget John Mellencamp. I don't know how that happens, though. I don't know. I don't ever hear Richard Barks and think that's Mellencampy. His is a little too I, poppy. It's like they're 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 trying for a style, I guess. Okay. They're trying to be. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck Richard Marks was trying to do. He was. He just needs to be killed. Ah, don't worry about it, Eric. It don't mean nothing. I'll call out one other. Because I actually think you did. This band is really a blend of two bands, I think. I've always called Muse Queenie O'Head. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good call. Oh, that's that's well a good played, call, sir. Good call. Yeah. Uh, wow. They, yeah. And I, th- it's been a long time since I thought that, but I remember thinking, this is a very commercial sounding Radiohead yeah. song. I'm not sure I like this. Well, but then you, it was but, that one that got played all the time. Well, then you start looking at how how they get really too big for their britches and start getting very uh, anthemic with their songs. Uh, and then know. And then I they're kind they of shooting for... It. Well, but they, they're shooting for Queen, but they don't quite make it. Uh, Have you listened to Queen recently? Yeah, like, I listen to them all the time. I mean, later Queen in the mid-80s, I think oh, I think no. Muse is doing just fine. No, no. I'm, I'm talking about real Queen. Like, oh, okay. Like up to like 1980-ish <laughs> before That's they... Yeah. <laughs> my, my wife thinks that like... Uh, forever. <laughs> that Muse... My wife believes that Muse, like the darkness, is kidding. Thoughts? It, it's possible. <laughs> yeah. Have, yeah. Have you seen any of their live... Uh, you know, they, they release live videos every now and then. They put on a hell of a show. I think... I think Muse is the real deal if you watch that guy perform he is playing the shit out of that guitar and then he's playing the shit out of the piano and then he's singing the shit out of those songs man that guy is working yeah yeah he's he's talented but he does really sound a lot like tom york <laughs> i don't <laughs> deny it yeah he's no robin thick let's be real <laughs> uh but yeah uh, okay yeah, that was a uh, that was one that i just i yeah queenie ohead that's a good one i'm gonna have to write that yeah, one down i love that i love that <laughs> uh so so shall we then slam through anything else we have in the list that makes the point uh black crows can suck it there are no rolling stones just gonna mm-hmm. say that right now uh you had listed john denver is a poor man's gordon lightfoot yeah yeah once again giving props to my uh canadian brethren yeah and I don't really know enough Gordon Lightfoot to really say yay or nay. 
but he's uh, a master i'll send you some stuff okay well i spent that summer driving around with my dad and he had the john denver greatest hits on the eight track and so most of those songs are cemented in my cerebral cortex so I yeah, I just a, think a of those point. as like songs that that end up getting played in kicker bars. It's like the most mellow some some redneck assholes get all year. You know? Uh, yeah. All I know is, and Brian, but, you you appreciate this when when Logan Lucky uh, uses an extensive amount of John Denver. It's actually kind of endearing yet <laughs> appalling at the same time. Correct. <laughs> oh yeah, that's uh, uh, Country Rose, right? Yeah. yeah. They, they, oh, yeah. They went for to total pathos. Yeah. 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 Fuck that. Take me home to the place I belong, West Virginia. And then we didn't really get into the influence of Sabbath, uh, but there are a couple bands that you should try if you want to hear somebody do Sabbath knockoff stuff. But Wolfmother and The Sword uh, both yeah. do their best interpretation. And again, it falls under just listen to the original band. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. Yeah. And you can be influenced by Sabbath. Christ knows a lot of bands were, but you know do something original too god yeah it's not hard not <laughs> well hard. we didn't do it as <laughs> 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 I, I still every time i see a really shitty movie i go well it's better than the movie i didn't make you know yeah really uh, and now magnificently huge is a podcast <laughs> and you can contact us go to our website maghuge.com and you'll find links to our twitter at maghuge or I am slain. Yeah. <laughs> go find us on Facebook, Magnificently Huge. You can find us on Instagram, we're Magnificently Huge. Or you can email magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Or like I said, just go to that website, maghuge.com. You'll find links to all our past shows and ways to contact us. And uh, But mostly, yeah. just the uh, meaning of life. Yeah. And if you liked this show, please give us five stars on iTunes. And if you didn't like this show, don't be a dick. Give us five stars on iTunes. <laughs> Seriously, what have you got better to do? <laughs> and then, you know. Also, share it. Share it, yeah. Don't cost you nothing. Yeah. <laughs> don't cost nothing. Yeah. <laughs>